Hold up. Don't go any further. You are at the podcast that you've been looking for. This is Good Tea and Read. I am your host, Kimberlon B. I am a licensed counselor, but I'm not your counselor. And that's my disclaimer for the evening. All right, so a little bit about Good Tea and Reads before you continue to scroll. All right, so Good Tea and Reads, this is a podcast that uses everyday scenarios to explain the importance of mental health awareness. And how many of you know that awareness of mental health is wealth? Here is my official disclaimer now that I've baited you in. Information shared on Good TN Reads is not a substitute for seeking professional care from another professional. All right, so any information shared on Good TN Reads is not meant to diagnose any subjects or persons discussed on this podcast. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and get started on our topic for today. So today's episode is called Educated to the T. All right, so we're getting ready to get started. So grab your cup so I can pour this piping hot tea. But before we get into our subject, I do want to start out with a little story time about my own educational journey. So a little bit about my school experience. So I wasn't what they call a bad kid and I was wasn't a eh, good kid I was just like an in-between kid so I really had like first world problems for example I would just have a full meltdown in school if I left my book at home those type of problems but when I was in elementary school I was like legit a down low bully I bullied all of my classmates I even had a classmate tell me later on when we were adults that I actually put his head in the toilet. (laughs) Um, I want to share another story about uh, elementary school. So I was actually an honor student. And so one of the good things about being an honor student was that you had the opportunity to go eat in the classroom with your teacher. And back when I was in school, that was a super big deal. Even though we got to eat in the classroom, I had another agenda I was gonna take care of. It was this boy that was an honor student and I couldn't stand him because he would pick on me all the time. So when we went to the classroom and while the teacher was still getting her food or whatever she was doing, I made it a point to fight him. And we fought, oh my gosh, we fought in front of all of the honor students, but then we got it together by the time the teacher got to the room. So junior high was a little bit different from me. So the tables actually turned. Remember that I said I was the bully in elementary? Well, in junior high, it turned that I was the one being bullied. Back then I started liking boys. So that was a thing because, you know, back in elementary, it's like boys were icky, girls was icky. And the most we would do is, you know, hit each other. Right. But then I started liking this boy when I got to junior high because 
I thought he was cute. And then there was another reason that I liked him. And it was because he could fight good. And so it was pretty cool, you know, because I felt that we had this type of relationship. When people were around, he didn't talk to me. When nobody was around, he would talk to me. And I really believe that the only reason that he liked me was because I was a big girl and no other boys liked me. And what I mean about being a big girl, I was taller than the other other girls and I was wider than the other girls that I went to school with. So I bet that he actually identified me as an easy target. He probably thought he could get away with whatever with me. So I know since he had, we had that relationship that I told you about, I think it was just time for us to just go public. And I think they call it today like going Instagram official or something like that. But back then, the way I was going to go public when I was younger was that iron-on shirts was back in style. So that show, that gives you a glimpse of, of how old I am. So you could you really get an iron-on shirt from the mall. So I went to the mall and I got one of the flyest iron-on shirts. You, you, you know, I got the rainbow letters and I put my name on the shirt and I put my complete full name on the shirt. It said Kimberlon. And then I had a picture, of course, to make our relationship just solid. And then I put his name on the shirt. And so I actually decided to just wear that shirt to school because I wanted the world to know no more hiding. So when I went to go catch the bus that morning, I had kids like snickering, you know, because remember, I was the big girl. And so when we got to junior high, check it, just go with me and visualize this. We had our junior high school and like in the middle of the school was the basketball court. And everybody would just hang at the basketball court until it was time to go to class. So I had my jacket all zipped up because I was going to debut my shirt right there on that basketball court because I wanted, again, everybody to know that we were together. So I was walking to the basketball court. I unzipped my jacket all the way and I actually saw him and I walked over there up to him to show him the shirt with our names on it. Guess what audience? He clowned me. He clowned me to the point that everybody was laughing, but I couldn't cry, you know, because you can't cry back then because it would just, your reputation would be ruined and it would just go with you. So I really had to hold it in. Of course, I couldn't cry when I got home. So I just had to just deal with it. But I can tell you the rest of that day, I, I went around with that jacket zipped up and the rest of the year. I just stayed quiet and probably had just a couple of friends, but I stayed to myself. And if I liked any boys, I wouldn't make that mistake again. Not in junior high. High school. I kind of went back up. So I wasn't, here we go, 
the good kid or I wasn't the bad kid. I used to get into a lot of shenanigans at school though. And I got into some trouble. But, and you know, and that's how I went. And then eventually I graduated, right? But I dealt with so much stuff as I got to the point of graduation. And if you think back over my school journey, some of the things I shared with you, because I know I fast forwarded through it because we only have so much time. Or even if you think about your own school journey, there were so many emotions that I have to deal with, that you probably dealt with at home, emotions at school, us trying to find our identities, like in junior high and high school, you know, you try to figure out what crowd you were going to fit in. And then eventually when you get into high school, teachers and counselors start talking about what careers do you want? And that's when I realized that this school stuff would not last forever. Although some of the people that I actually went to school with, I mean, I don't ever think that they their mindset uh, matured past high school. So why did I bring all of that up this story time? And I just wanted to just share that even though I'm a counselor now, I went through some things as a student. And if you think about it, as I mentioned before, I went through things, you went through things, and countless other students went through things. Our teachers had lives at home, which I didn't believe when I was in school. I thought for sure they just stayed at that school all the time. But now as an adult, I realized that they probably had whatever going on at home. They had school stuff, the principals, the staff at school. If you think about everybody that had stuff going on and all of us would actually just congregate in that one building and we all had the same goal in mind and that was education. But just think how much stuff we were actually carrying. It's wild. It is so wild. Um, so I named this topic again, educated to the T because I really want us to explore, uh, mental health awareness and education. These are sometimes things that we don't think about. Again, like I shared, I didn't think about it. I didn't think my teacher had probably had a personality. You know what I mean? I didn't, <laughs> but it's just funny if you think about that. But um, according to an article in Education Weekly, a recent Rand Corporation study found that teachers are nearly twice as likely as other working adults to report having difficulty coping with job-related stress. Some teachers actually experience burnout, um, which probably contributes to oversized classrooms now. And frequent and long-term stress increases the risk of mental health problems such as anxiety and depression. And these are things that our teachers deal with, not to mention that students probably deal with the same thing and they're trying to navigate too, as I mentioned before. Um, More than four in 10 teachers say their teaching and professional growth have have suffered their school year because of the state of their mental health. 
just think these this was the norm and this study went out probably towards the I don't want to say that the pandemic is over but when it wasn't so pressing when we didn't when it was like this big unknown and so our teachers again they're in the world with us they went through the pandemic as well and they had to figure out how to shift an entire educational experience into a virtual world and sometimes that was easy with some children and other times not so much same thing with parents because again parents was trying to navigate their mental health we were just a hot buttered mess until we figured out how we can gain control of this time during the pandemic since the pandemic is I want to say somewhat under control I mean I don't know what we want to call it some teachers actually said and it's probably around 10% said that their mental health has improved now Um, 34% said their mental health has actually stayed the same which is pretty alarming because back when there was kind of like that unknown piece you could see why everybody had increased rates of anxiety, depression, you know, because of the unknown and the chaos. But then, now that everything's back in control and we're learning how to navigate this new normal, you mean to tell me that teachers are still feeling the same? Which means that they may not, even now, be in the best of shape mental health-wise. So some of the things that's actually contributing to their mental health and their meaning the teachers and the principals and probably other staff at the school, their mental health problems are feeling burned out. Teachers work constantly. So I provided counseling to several teachers and their main reason for coming to see me was burnout. Because as I said, I used to think teachers lived at school, but they actually had lives outside of school. The problem with them having the lives outside of school was that they never got to enjoy it. Because we had so much homework, or they have so much homework to actually grade. They have to make sure that they're meeting the metrics for achievement tests so forth and so on. If some of you all are teachers, I know you probably can relate and can contribute more than me because I never wanted to be a teacher, so my hats are off to you. But if they're spending their evenings grading papers or preparing uh, for the next week, they're also spending the weekend grading and prepping as well. So when does teachers, when does principals, when do they have that downtime to power down and engage in self-care? And then other um, problems that teachers experience, as I mentioned before, overcrowded classrooms. Some teachers, because of their burnout, make the decision to go try different careers or they decide that they no longer want to teach. And that has been an influx of that happening, like over the, over the past probably five years, if you think about it. Teachers are transitioning out of the classrooms and either moving up or just moving out of the profession. So when you have a shortage of teachers, 
you have bigger class sizes. And then, as I mentioned before, they're grading homeworks, they're, they're prepping. That time even increases, which means it decreases their self-care time. The pay is too low. As I mentioned before, there's no way that I would want to teach. Um, I really feel that our teachers get paid low because they are with our children eight hours a day. Sometimes they're with our children more than we're with our children. And as parents, some parents have these big expectations like your goal is to teach my child. I don't care what you're going through. The principals, they have their requirements for the teachers too. So the teacher is like the meat in the middle of a sandwich. Or tofu if you're vegan. Okay, so don't come for me. Student behavioral issues, huge problem. Okay, children, they cut up. They turn up in school. They cuss their teachers out. They beat their teachers up. I have seen so many videos on Instagram where students throwing stuff at teachers, teachers getting beat up. Teachers even beating up students. I mean, it's, it's wild. It's the wild, wild west all over again or something. But what happens is when these teachers need support, the parents will come up to school and cuss, <laughs> cuss the teachers out, cuss the principals out. So some teachers are like, no, I'm done. Um, I don't want to deal with that. Other reasons are it's a lack of respect, as I mentioned before, from the parents or the public. Some The public does not value teaching until they need to value teaching. Because when there's a big push or a big, you know, rally about supporting teachers' pay, the public talks about it, but there's really nobody standing behind the teachers. The parents aren't. I don't think the principals are. So, I mean, you know, so it's really rough. All right. And then not enough planning or unstructured time. I mentioned that earlier. With the overcrowded classes, um, it's hard to plan for your class. And then the student behavioral issues, too. Let me throw that in, okay? That's still a thing. So going back to burnout, because burnout is actually the number one concern for teachers and what contributes to their mental health. So as burnout snowballs, so do its effects. Again, teachers can experience anxiety, depression, and and eventually if the behavioral issues rise or if the expectations of the district, of the principals, if those increase, the pressure becomes heavy. If a teacher is attacked by a student... Or, I mean, you think about all of this stuff. Um, Teachers actually can suffer from PTSD, and that's post-traumatic stress disorder. So that is a thing. And unfortunately, if teachers start to experience severe anxiety, severe depression, or severe PTSD, and they're unable to manage what they're dealing with, um, you unfortunately can see an increase in teachers wanting to take their lives at that point and it's a very very serious thing 
So I think it's important for us as the community to support the teachers because they do a lot for our children. And when I say children, it could be children as young as daycare experience or all the way through college. And I call everybody's babies. I'm, I'm mature and everybody's a baby. I don't care how old they are. My children are in their 30s and I still say that they're my babies. And I'm a grandma, you know, at this point, but they're still babies to me. So we, we got to consider that. And so we got to support our teachers. Um, if there's rallies, if we have time going to those rallies, um, working alongside of our teachers if we can. Uh, if you're an administrator in the school, checking in on your on your teachers, you know, probably having like town hall meetings with your teachers you know, to see how they're doing, paying attention to the signs of teachers in school. Um, peers, I call them peer teachers, paying attention to your teacher peers, seeing how they're doing. I think sometimes when we gather around, because I'm guilty of it too, you know, we want to, um, I like to say vent <laughs> or AKA complain or however you look at it about what's going on. But I challenge each and every one of you to just take that time out to say, Hey, I know we're dealing with a lot of stuff and a lot of shenanigans, but how are you doing? So what prompted me to actually talk on this podcast, Educated to the Team, was that I was reading the news where there were two black administrators at a at, at universities who experienced some mental health challenges on their job and one actually lived and is navigating through it and the other one unfortunately took her life so I do want us to just chat a little bit about this and let's talk about some of the mental health ramifications surrounding it all right so there was a president at Harvard and she had the shortest tenure at Harvard. It was actually six months and this was last year, I believe. We're in a new year, so I always say last year and it may have been the year before. Don't come for me, but I'm sure it was last year. She was in office for six months. And the minute that she went into office, and never heard this happened, you know, everyone gets excited for the first black, blah, 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 you know, and we're excited. There, There's also a set of people that may not be that excited, right? That may have not felt that she was qualified to be in that position or whatever. I don't even know what the deal was. But it actually started a, I like to call it a smear campaign. She accepted the job. She got the job, right? And before you know it, they went and combed through her dissertation and found out that there was alleged plagiarism in her dissertation. Fast forward, she, you know, admitted that she may have forgot to reference some people. 
But because of the pressure that she was experiencing and then all of this chaos was overshadowing the school, she decided to go ahead and resign and she went back into her former position. So the second person I want to talk about it was a vice president at Lincoln University. And she was at the school, you know, doing what she does. And she actually started experiencing anxiety and depression for some of the pressure she was facing on the job with her boss, who was the president, and probably other pressures. She reached out, wrote a letter, wrote an email to the president, and talked about, I need time off because I want to work on my mental health. All right, that was a no. She wrote out to the board, to the bureau, asking for time off. Can you please hear this? This is what I'm experiencing on my job. I'm experiencing workplace bully. I mean, she gave details, but for sake of time on the podcast, we'll just sum it up under workplace bully, bullying. Um, the bureau said, we don't get involved with that. And short story, unfortunately, she reached out. They said she didn't qualify for FMLA because she wasn't in that position long. It was less than a year. And unfortunately, she decided to take matters into her own hands. And she took her life, or in other words, she self-transitioned. So I'm going to put out a third disclaimer. There's a lot of disclaimers in this today. Um, I'm not going to focus on the specific of both of these cases because I do not know all of the details that's surrounding both situations. I am focusing on general mental health information to increase awareness. There is no need for me to challenge or you challenge me the would ofs, could ofs, and should ofs, because I will not debate that out with you, I promise. I am focusing on the mental health facts and general mental health strategies for those in the educational field and how parents in the community can support those educators. So that's what I'm actually focusing on. Taking a glimpse back with the president. Um, who had to step down and who was battling the plagiarism allegation. Can you imagine some of the mental health challenges she probably faced? She probably faced the, you know, the fact of shame, guilt. And sometimes if you're not guilty, you'll still feel guilty if somebody just constantly pressures you. So that's probably what she dealt with. Probably had some anxiety because you know that someone's combing through your life. And I mean, we can't act like this isn't no big deal because I could feel the same way if I know that I'm doing something for the greater good or if I moved up in my position and then I had someone challenging me and going in my background to figure out things about me 
because again, as I shared with you, my a glimpse of my educational journey, they may find something. Um, depression. You know, it's a lot because, you know, it's like all I want to do is work and I want to just serve this community. But then I have somebody just constantly on me and that can cause you to feel down Um, feelings of hopelessness because the pressure is mounting. The media is getting involved and you know how that go when they get involved. They're not going to stop because they want the best story ever. And then, again, mental health impacts physical health. Chances are she wasn't sleeping well when all of this was going on, right? Because I wouldn't be sleeping well knowing that there's a hunt after me. It's not a good feeling. She may have not been eating appropriately because the way we feel, if we sad or if we feel whatever, it may actually interfere with our appetite. There may be days where she didn't even feel like getting up going to work because you got a safe face, right? Trying to go to work each and every day. And now, even though she's back um, in her current position, they're not letting up. They're still combing through trying to find stuff and they're still not going to stop. So she's still having to navigate in her current role and that can't feel well. So I can only hope that if she is experiencing mental health challenges, that she's actually taking time out for herself to take care of herself. Um... And if you happen to listen to this, former president of Harvard, and you're not seeking mental health, I encourage you to. Moving back to the vice president of Lincoln University, as again, we talked about that she decided to self-transition. This is one of the things about mental health that just I just don't like because she reached out for help and couldn't get the help. Mental health doesn't have a time limit. I know they said FMLA doesn't start, you know, for 12 months. I don't start for 12 months. But mental health is not going to say, hey, I wait. It's not going to say that. She was reaching out. She felt defeated at that point. And she had nowhere to go. And I know sometimes uh, people can challenge you and say, well, she could have gone to EAP or she could have found a a therapist. Because I'm sure being the vice president that she made money. But if you think about it, and it's true uh, that people can go seek help, but sometimes it's hard in the position you're in to actually go seek help that easy. It's what you're going to go and you're in a small city. Are you going to go to your local community place being the vice president of a university and sit there and wait to see someone? you know, and and risk it all. And I'm not saying because she was in her position that gives her excuse for not seeking help, but it's easier said than done. 
Because again, just like I shared earlier in the podcast, that I thought my teacher was just a teacher and she didn't have a life and she didn't have a personality. I think I just threw that in. I This person, it, the society looks at our teachers like that. So if they saw her in a place trying to get help, would they support her? Or would it be a gossip, some, you know, like something to gossip about? So it's really unfortunate when people reach out because we say that they do the right thing, but then there's no one there. And the way she found that she wanted to deal with it is not deal with it anymore. And that's why she made the decision to self-transition. I'm not supporting it. But I want people to understand that when people start to feel hopeless, because she said she struggled with depression, depression, you don't want to be around anyone. You don't have the desire to be around anyone. You start to isolate. And when you start to isolate, let me tell you, you will get in your head. And if you have experienced any traumas or any thoughts about yourself or thoughts about the situation, you are sitting there in your feelings. And emotions, I can tell you right now, we'll talk about this in episodes to come. Your emotions are illogical. That's why you have to be able to gain control of your thoughts. Your emotions are, if you're happy, you're happy. If you're sad, you're sad. It just goes along with it, right? It's like a compliment, um, you know, jelly with peanut butter. It's just like a compliment, and it just goes along. So we have to realize how to grab that and reel it on back in. And unfortunately, she didn't have that option. And I'm so glad that the school is in support of them looking into did the president support was there any outlets to support her because when you get this attention we can get things in place unfortunately it's coming after this event but If we really focus on what we can put in place um, as far as mental health measures, whether it's at the college level, the local level, state level, or the national level, this will be helpful in helping us advance and getting more initiatives out there for mental health. All right, so my teachers... My educators, whether you're a principal, a dean, president, or vice president of universities, colleges, of whatever type of school, it is extremely important that you protect your mental health. Okay, according to Mental Health of America, this is my site, this is my jam. I I tell everybody I don't know it all. I'm not a wizard. I hit the internet just like everybody else, but I go to sound material and I like Mental Health of America. So this isn't me telling you what I would do. I'm actually, I've actually got this from somewhere. 
So my educators, that's everybody, set those boundaries early on and hold on to that, them boundaries. I you know I mentioned <clears throat> earlier, you have homework, you have planning and prep. I get it. It's going to be there. But schedule your time. Set boundaries. I'm dedicating this much time to doing schoolwork, and I'm dedicating this much time for my family, and I'm dedicating this much time for me. Some people say they can't. If you sit down, you create a schedule, you can. You'll realize that you have more time if you uh, create a schedule. Sometimes we just stay so far in our head and we're like, oh, I know what I have to do today. I got to, you know, I'll just use the teacher example. I got a schedule. I got a plan. I got to prep and I got to go take Susie to the park and I got to, you know, go get my nails done. I mean, we just plan it like that and we just go. But by us not looking at a schedule again, we may just ebb and flow and we won't stick to our schedule. We may spend more time with planning and prepping. You know, we'll go take Susie, but then it's like, darn it, I didn't finish that homework. So let me go work on that for a little bit more And then I'll go take care of me. But then the next thing you know, it's time to go cook. It's time this. And self-care is out the door. You're not going to come back to it. If you write a schedule and you're able to see that schedule, you are more than likely to stick to it. Another thing is focus on what you can control. All right, so it's a lot that's going on in in the world. So you have the unruly child that that's in your class. Did you do all you can do with that child? You know what I mean? It's like you you call the parent, um, you took care of that, you know, so forth, so on. Did you take, you know, did you let the principal know? Did you follow the procedures with that? You know, so just focus on what you can control. Um, Again, homework, schoolwork, behavioral issues. There's an overcrowded classroom. You know, what, think to yourself, what can I do that's under my control? Unfortunately, where our minds kind of get it twisted, because it always wants to be in survival mode, is we focus on things that's outside of our control. So we focus on the unruly kids. We're focused on the overcrowded classrooms. Because of the way the system has shifted, our classes are gonna be overcrowded. But then our minds is like, oh my gosh, we got too many kids in here. Again, if we focus on what we can control, we can kind of navigate our thoughts and our emotions. So I have the overcrowded classes. They're just super all over the place. What can I do? Can I implement, um, you know, 15 minutes of free time and then let them get out all the wigglies or whatever they need to do? I don't know if you do the kids need a, I'm not a teacher, y'all, so don't, if it's unrealistic, you figure out what you can do under your control. 
do I implement time that they can get 10 minutes to scroll on social media, right? I, I don't know. I'm just throwing out some examples because you would know what works for your class. Other strategies that mention is moving your body. Move around. Get up. Move around. Exercising. Teachers just can sit there all day or you're standing in front of the class. If you have time for a break time at school, like I said, I didn't think teachers did anything but teach. I didn't even think they ate. But, you know, go with some of your teacher peers and go, you know, walk or go sit outside or go sit in your car. Because, you know, it's always some child that's like, miss, miss, miss. And then that'll suck up your time, too. But just a stretch or a walk. And, again, you don't need to take a a, a full hike, right? You don't need to take a 30-minute walk, even if it's a five-minute walk or five minutes in your car. You do that, okay? Um, Staying in touch with friends and families and, and other social things. Again, depression, something that contributes to de- depression is loneliness. Um, if we're consumed with planning and doing homework, and this is what we're doing all the time, and then sometimes our friends and family will be like, hey, do you want to go here? Do you want to go there? And you're like, no, I got to grade papers. I got to do this. Sometimes people stop asking you. And then you'll get so consumed in what you're doing, you won't even think to ask them. So stand in touch because loneliness, as I mentioned before, contributes to depression. And keeping up with that self-care. I never forget, I had a therapist friend of mine who was like, with self-care. Everyone says engage in self-care. And if you ask some women, like, you know, what do you do for self-care? You'll hear them, get my nails done. Get a massage. You'll hear all of these things. And, and she said, yeah, that's good. That's good that that's what you're doing. But what are you doing for your internal self-care? And I was like, dang, she right. She right. <laughs> I didn't think of it like that. Because we think we got to go do the massages. We have to go do the manicures, pedicures. But what are we doing for ourselves? We could just be going and going and again. I'm not knocking that people do that for self-care. But what are you doing for you? Like, are you taking time out to meditate? Do you take time out to read a book? Or do you take time out to draw? You know, whatever those hobbies are that you like to do that you probably didn't have that much time for because you weren't making that visual schedule that I just talked about. But start writing that in today. Again, that visual schedule that you just promised me because you pinky promised me through this cyber platform that you would start writing your schedule. Look how I threw that that in. I threw you in a deal. (laughs) But... Schedule that time, too, and then stick to that schedule because that's what we would tell our students, teacher, right? So this is your lesson. (laughs) Um, And then also, 
you know, even at school, because that's where the chaos happens, right? It's easy for us to say, read a book at home. It's easy for us to say, um, I'll go get my nails done or I'll meditate. But if you're in a class full of unruly children, try to meditate if you want to and close your eyes in a classroom with a whole bunch of kids. Okay. All right. And you know how that's going to go. Find that teacher peer. And I know I mentioned that. Find somebody that you can pair up with, another teacher. I don't know, maybe a principal. I don't know. Some staff. And and hold each other accountable. Keep each other accountable. How are you doing? How are you doing? Did you eat? Did you take time out? Did you do that thing to help you stay stabilized? It's so important to have a buddy or two, but you got to have a buddy, the right buddy. If you had a gossip buddy and somebody want to tell you all their life story as if you're a therapist, I don't know if you're going to be able to maintain that. Some, however, sometimes that works, you know, but then when it's chaotic at school and you got these kids kidding and you got the parents parenting and cussing you out, you're going to need that buddy to make sure that you're accountable. Um, gratitude is something that works also. Um, and that's something that you can start your day with, end your day with. And gratitude can be as something as simple as Naming three things that you're grateful for. And that's in the daytime. And again, you don't have to say anything elaborate. Sometimes we think we got to say what everybody else wants to hear. You could actually say that I'm glad that I opened both my eyes, right? So I'm glad that I, you know, able to wear mixed match pajamas to bed. I mean, you could say whatever you want to. And then at night, Say what, say three things that you're grateful for. It helps. It will help with sleep. And honestly, I talk about it like it's easy. And I know that there may be some days where it's like, I can't think of nothing to say. But I challenge you, even if you have to say, I'm thankful for this fork that I'm using. I'm thankful that I just actually blew my nose 30 seconds ago. Whatever you have to say, even if it's bare bones, utilize that. It's very important. Taking time to laugh. Humor is funny. (laughs) Ha ha. No, just playing. Humor is actually therapeutic. I mean, find a reason to laugh. I know. Sometimes I I, I laugh. I laugh a lot. Sometimes (laughs) Sometimes I laugh. Because it's funny, and I like having a sense of humor. And sometimes I laugh because my anxiety is probably off the radar. And I'm just laughing. I don't know, to just keep from crying, or I'm laughing because I'm nervous. Who knows what's going on? But take time to laugh. Um, I have to commend my, my daughter. I know she actually is a comedian. And it's pretty neat seeing her be a, being a comedian. Because again, just like teachers, I thought comedians that they just there, right? But there's a group of them, and they seem to be like really close. I mean, to the point that they like be roasting each other. They laugh about it. They don't get mad. But the humor that they bring to us as people watching, and the humor that they bring to each other, 
is so pleasant and I just love it. I just love it so much. So that's just so great to see. So yeah, laugh a little and then be there for each other, right? If you see someone struggling, you know, be there, come alongside. And I mean, in the cases of, you know, teachers or even in the cases of the the president and the vice president, I'm sure that they had people that were around for them that supported them, you know? And I mean, sometimes we can encourage them and sometimes it's hard to have those conversations to say, hey, I think you need a higher level of care. I think you need to go see a psychiatrist. You know, sometimes it's even hard to say that. You know, so just being there, just to support. You know, sometimes that's all we can do. We may not be able to change the outcome of anybody that's struggling. Some people may continue to struggle. Some people may actually go get whatever help they need to get them through. And unfortunately, some may make the decision to self-transition or engage in unhealthy activities. But what we can do is to provide that support to let them know, hey, I'm here if you need me. Or, hey, you know what? I know it's not the best, but it can get better whatever support that we can give someone and sometimes it's just being nice and listening that's what support looks like um you'll probably hear me say this so much on on different podcasts sometimes people just need someone to talk uh, someone to listen to them while they talk they don't want the solution They don't need you to say, good job, well done, you got this, you're strong. Sometimes they just need for you to listen. They don't need for you to fix it. And then you could just say, hey, is there anything else or is there anything you need me to do? You have done your part sitting there. Sometimes people be like, oh, well, what could I do? What more can I do? Listen, that's helpful. Paying attention to the nonverbal cues. Just making sure that they're okay. Um, I want to just before, I want to end this segment, but before I do, I said that I like Mental Health of America. But on their website, if you don't know what anxiety feels like, you don't know what depression feels like, they have excellent screenings on there that you can take at mhascreening.org to see if you're at risk for any type of mental health issues. I think it's important um, looking into that, taking that step to even have that conversation with your doctor if you're not in, you know, willing at first to go see somebody about it. There's no reason that anyone should suffer in silence. No one should suffer in silence. And if you're, if you feel like you're at that breaking point and you feel like everything is lost, I encourage you to call 988. That is the crisis line. Someone will answer. 
someone will be there to support. No problem is too small. No problem is too large. A problem that is not discussed is a problem, is the only problem. Um, If you're not comfortable talking with someone, you can actually text 741-741. And you can actually text how you're feeling with someone and someone will be there to support. If you need immediate action, you can call 911 and the police, they've been trained, or law enforcement, they've been trained to support mental health issues, but I don't know how much of support that you can get. Um, but you can definitely call 988 and someone will answer there. So teachers, educators, and that when I say educators, that means the principals, any staff, anybody from daycare to universities, please take care of yourself. Do inventories to see how you're doing. I challenge you the same way we look at our students and we pay attention to our students and we we hone in on our students' emotions. I challenge you to do that for yourself. I challenge you to do that for each other. Let's be there for each other. All right. And if we take care of ourselves, we will be educated to the T. So I want to thank you all for listening today. I'm appreciative that you're here. Some of you may or may not be teachers, but I hope this will help you with your work. Right. I mean, I can't break each and every career down because I'll be doing like probably a zillion podcasts because so many people are so just dynamic and then we have um, entrepreneurs so I just want to just encourage you to take care of yourself engage in self-care you already promised me you were going to do that virtual I mean the virtual sorry visual schedule so I want you to do that I want you to schedule your day and schedule your time for self-care and then schedule your time for family and friends all on that schedule in addition to the homework and prep. So you promised. So again, I want to leave everyone, uh, if you're not feeling safe, if you're contemplating that you want to take your life, I have to say it this way because we're on a podcast. I encourage you to call 988, the crisis line, immediately. If you're not at that place and you want to see how you're doing, because you may have been feeling something like not yourself, and you may not have been doing anything that you like to do, and you notice that your actions or your lack of actions is impacting your daily activities, I encourage you to go to mhascreening.org and take some of those screenings to see if you have anxiety and depression. Then I would encourage you to go to your PCP or find a a community place or a therapist um, off of Psychology Today. Take those screenings in and have a professional review those screenings. And 
know, who knows? You may hit it off with that person and you may decide to engage in therapy. But what I don't want anyone to do, teachers, I don't want anyone to suffer in silence. Again, my hat's off to you. You got this. You are so dynamic. Each and every one of you educators are actually not only pouring into our children, whether they're children, okay, or are they babies, you're actually pouring into future generations. So you're awesome. You're amazing. Keep up the good work. Again, we are at the end of another amazing episode. This one was a little heavy, and hopefully I can have some pick-me-ups. Remember, sometimes I said they're going to be really heavy. We're going to laugh. We're going to cry. We're going to make our visual schedules. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. I appreciate you. This is Kimberlon B. I am getting ready to sign off on Good Tea and Reads. Come back in next time. Who knows what we'll be talking about. But I want you to take care of yourself until we meet again.